Andrew grew up in our church, and, uh, and so it's just a particular privilege and joy to not only know him, but to know his mom and dad who go here, Paul and Cindy. Uh, Paul is one of our elders here. And so uh, without any further ado, Andrew, would you come up and let's give him a mental Bible church welcome. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. Hey, so good to be with you. So thankful for the opportunity to uh, open the word of God with you this morning and see what he has for us. Uh, I've, uh, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you. He just gave me the introduction, but my name is Andrew Duran and I do work for an international missions organization uh, called The Navigators. And I do work particularly with college students at the University of South Florida. And we are trying to raise up mature disciples of Jesus, men and women who are disciple makers who will reach the world for Christ in a world that desperately needs the hope of the gospel. Amen. Um, and so I'm excited to share more about that this morning. Uh, for many others of you, I know that I've known you for a long time because one of the joys uh, of being here each year is that I get to kind of return home. I did grow up at Mansfield Bible Church. My parents, Paul and Cindy, started coming here in the early like living room folding chair days of the church. And uh, uh, I was here through my whole life until I moved away when I was 13. And so even before we begin, can I say thank you that NBC has been such a source of truth, love, and encouragement for the whole of my life, from the seeds of faith that were planted in me as a child, all the way to the prayer and support uh, that you guys show in supporting our ministry calling. And so I want to thank, thank, say thanks so much for supporting um, us and our family. Some of you were like watching me 30 years ago when I was crying baby in childcare, and some of you might be holding me later when I'm crying today. I don't know what kind of emotional spaces we're headed towards. Um, but yeah, thanks for all the grace and support towards me and my family. Um, speaking of my family, they couldn't be here today, so I wanted to show you a picture of them, classic dad. Uh, this is me and my wife, Sarah. Sarah is also involved in our ministry and disciples women on campus at USF. But she works more reduced part-time hours because she's mostly involved in discipling our two little boys. Um, Noah is our oldest. He is four. Right now, he is really into puzzles and like organization and order. And Silas is two, and he's really into destroying puzzles and organization and order. Chaos is more his game. Uh, so they were sad that they couldn't make the trip here this morning, but they say hi. Hey, uh, we're going to dive into the Word of God together, and I have two goals this morning. The first uh, is that I hope to frame for you kind of the overall idea of our Navigator ministry to college students, and I want to fill you in on uh, how we're doing that through the lens of the Bible and our calling. And then, uh, to be honest, even why you can care and get excited about what's happening with a group of college students over in Tampa, Florida. And the second uh, kind of reason that I want to happen today in the word or the thing I'm hoping for is that it would feed and challenge us this morning in our own spiritual walk. That uh, as we look at our passage as the disciples hear these words from Jesus that we would with fresh ears hear them this morning and it would move us closer to him. And so let me pray one more time and ask God uh, to move in that way. Father, we pause now to orient our hearts to the reality of you and your presence we're gathered here to give you the worship that you're due. Would you prepare us for what you want to communicate? Would you steady and clear our minds from the frets and worries and things that we might be walking into this room with this morning that we could focus on you? 
Would you be the one speaking now? And would the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, God? We pray that in the name of Jesus, amen. If you got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to open up to Matthew 4, 18 through 22. And we're going to be looking at two game-changing invitations from the mouth of Jesus. Two game-changing invitations from Jesus. And while you turn there, let me set up the context for the passage. At this point in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is just getting started in his official earthly ministry. He's already seen John the Baptist, and John the Baptist baptized him and has identified clearly that he is the Son of God. Jesus, earlier in this chapter, is coming back uh, from being in the wilderness for 40 days, and the text tells us that Jesus has just moved from Nazareth to Galilee, and now he's spending some time by the sea, and he's beginning his ministry by preaching this message, the message that he came to give to the people, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God's kingdom is here, I am here. That's verse 17 leading into our passage this morning. Um, So uh, pick up with me in verse 18 of Matthew 4. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And so can you picture this scene in your mind, these two sets of brothers fishing, same thing that they did every day. And there's some work close off the shore and the water is lapping up against the side of the wooden boat and they're fixing their frayed nets that they're throwing out to catch the fish. And these are just some normal guys living these small lives but about to receive this incredible opportunity and invitation. Come follow me, he says in verse 19, and I will make you fishers of men. And so Jesus starts with this game-changing invitation to be with me, to follow me, to know me. And we'll call invitation number one this morning to know Christ. Come follow me. It sounds so simple and yet it's so world-altering because he invites these men into the most profound experience in the history of humankind that he himself, the living God, wants to be with them, to know them. He invites them not only to know them, but to follow him. And I love that he uses that word follow. Because first and foremost, being a Christian is about following someone, isn't it? It's about relationship. It's not about knowing more. It's not about being in a certain group. It's not about strictly obeying the rules of life or staying inside of the lines. The initial call, the initial invitation of Jesus to his first followers is to get as close to him as you can. And the common word for this concept of a follower is is this idea of a disciple, to be a learner. And the Greek word is methetes, which is where we get the word for mathematics. And it's more like kind of complex meaning means to follow and to know through the wrestling of relationship. Isn't that beautiful? Through the wrestling of relationship. A disciple who says, I want to follow you, to learn from you, to become like you through the wrestling of relationship. 
And when I say the invitation is to know Christ, I don't mean only the the knowledge of knowing, but beyond that, to know deeply through firsthand experience. And this distinction, it really serves as a summary for me when I think about my life background before college. I believed in God. I believed in the message of the gospel. I believed that Jesus came to save sinners and even to save me from the consequences of my sin. But I knew a lot about God and I didn't really know him in this way. I didn't really experience him in relationship And the danger of my trajectory in those years was that I began to treat God more and more over time like a cosmic cop. Like he was this authoritarian deity who was there to make sure that I didn't break the rules too badly. Or sometimes I would put him in a different box as the big professor in the sky. The all-knowing kind of intellectual God who I could pose my big theological questions to, but I would never invite into the deep places of my heart. And over time, the shallowness of that relationship began to show when the inevitable valleys of life kind of came my way. Because life is hard and it became frustrating and hollow and hopeless. And because I wasn't following Jesus as a disciple. I wasn't wrestling through relationship. I didn't have much understanding or experience with him being a God that I could invite into my innermost being that I could trust. And the beautiful pictures that we get across the scriptures of of relationship with God, like the passage in Moses, uh, or in Exodus 33 with Moses, who he speaks to God face to face as with a friend, or I think of King David in the Psalms, who's pouring out his soul to uh, God, that, that those were a distant reality for me. That is, until I was 18, my freshman year at the University of Florida, when God and his goodness reached out and kind of shook me awake. And he did that largely through the campus ministry of the Navigators. One of the reasons I love this passage that we're looking at so much is its closeness to the context of campus ministry. Most biblical scholars believe these fishermen that we're talking about had been around Jesus for a significant period of time, something like 18 months that these guys weren't just seeing this random dude come up on the shore and like wave and then they followed him for the rest of their life. That doesn't really make, that would be weird, right? Rather, they were somewhat familiar with him and, and honored that this rabbi teacher would invite them as ordinary fishermen to become followers. And most biblical scholars also believe that these young men and the majority of the, of the 12 disciples and the people around Jesus were the age of young college students. So it's this incredible invitation of of knowing Christ and it's going to this incredibly strategic demographic. And in the navigators on campus, we're trying to do just that. Every year we pray that God would direct towards our path spiritually hungry college students, 18 to 24 year olds that we might equip to first know Christ. And we believe that college students are some of the most crazy strategic demographics in the world for so many reasons. Firstly, they're, they're young, right? They're, this year's freshman class was already born after the 2000s and they're ready to take the world by storm. They're independent. They're making decisions for themselves for the first time in life. 
They're learning and becoming who they're going to be in life. They're developing habits and personalities and patterns that will shape them for years to come. In our context, we're on the unique environment of the college campus, this weird, magical place where ideas can be shared and worldviews can be tested and embraced. And ultimately, they're going to graduate after three, four, five, six years (laughs) and go everywhere, all over the globe. In fact, the jury is in on college students. The question isn't whether college students will change the world. The question is what message will they carry? And we exist in order that that message would be the hope of the gospel, the love of a savior who wants to redeem relationship with his people. And so what does that look like at at USF and how are we doing that? How are we helping students accept this invitation to deeply know and follow Jesus? Well, on campus it looks a lot like a club that students are involved with. And so we're not aiming to be a church or a church replacement. We want our students to go into the local church and we champion that. Rather, we want to be missionaries to this highly strategic place to get into their environment day to day, in the dorms, in the student unions, in the dining halls, and to train them into how to live out following Jesus. I'm gonna put a, yeah, a picture of a couple of different ways that I wanna tell you about that a typical student might be involved with us. And the first one is a, a typical student might might be coming to what we call our nav night and that's our weekly large group meeting where students gather together as a community to worship God through music and to hear teaching corporately and this is an interactive environment where we mostly teach on the basics of the Christian faith we talk about being in the word we talk about prayer we talk about fellowship and evangelism and obedience and if we want to raise up mature believers, we want to lay the building blocks of this foundation of life in Jesus. Whether they're first-time Bible openers at this nav night or they were leaders in their youth group. And this is where we get to meet a lot of students for the first time, especially students who are coming looking for uh, something like a campus ministry. But of even more importance, a typical student would be involved in our Navigator Bible study. Bible study is our favorite thing that we do. It's our real bread and butter because it's here that we see the most spiritual transformation happen in the life of a student. At USF, we have about 115 students spread across our Bible studies and there's a lot of things that happen in the Bible study environment that help students to know Christ. But for the sake of time, I'll share three with you. The first one is that it teaches students about biblical community. It teaches them that fellowship isn't just a bunch of Christians who are gathered together in one room, but that they can vulnerably walk through life together and sharpen one another and encourage one another in their faith. And it's amazing to see when a freshman group grabs hold of that vision and they follow God together through their college years up through graduation. It's incredible to witness. Number two is it teaches them skills with the Bible. And the navigators, we tend to do inductive Bible studies. And uh, our, our studies, that means they don't give them a ton of loaded questions, but it gives them the text and it teaches them how to pick it apart, how to make skillful observations that lead to deep insights in their own questions and then that leads to principles about God. Because we want to set them up not just for a great college Bible study, but for a lifetime of knowing how to handle the word for themselves, to being mature believers the third one is it teaches them about real life application. 
We believe that the Bible is not just this dusty old book with some good advice, but it's the very words of God. It's profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training and righteousness. And that when we interact with it, we are interacting with God and we leave changed. And so we highly emphasize having a prayerful posture of students in our Bible study asking God, okay, I'm studying this. What are you asking me to do? What's one tangible, specific way that I could step out this week before my class on Tuesday at four? And how can these guys keep me accountable or these ladies keep me accountable to what you're asking me to grow in? Bible study not only helps us train believing students in these things, but it's also attractive to uh, outsiders who are investigating Jesus. Uh, On the top picture here, there's a guy in a green shirt on the right, and his name is John. And he graduated in uh, just this past December, but about four years ago, he was just a freshman who popped into a freshman guy's Bible study that I was leading um, in one of the dorms one day. Another guy in the study had met him in a hallway, and they just started talking, and he mentioned his Bible study, and so he came to check it out. And he joined in, and during that sharing time at the beginning where we're all talking about our weeks, we asked John, you know, what brought you here today? You know, what, what made you interested to come check it out? And it, John seemed to be making a choice in his mind whether he was going to be real or not, and he decided to be real, and he said, to be honest with you guys, my mom just died unexpectedly 10 days ago, and I'm hurting. I don't know what to do with that, but I know something needs to change. And what was amazing in that moment at that freshman Bible study was to see that that became much less academic to those guys in that study that day. I got to watch these guys surround John in his pain, and pray for him and give him hope. I got to see John in the next couple of weeks continue to to dive in and then eventually give uh, into knowing Jesus personally and commit his life to him. I got to see him over the course of that year grow like a weed in his faith. I got to see over the next few years him become a key student leader in our ministry and the director of our setup team and in his last year on campus lead a freshman guy's Bible study in that same dorm. And John grabbed the hold of this invitation to know God. Like the disciples in this passage, he went all in. Did you catch their response in Matthew 4? These guys drop their nets and they immediately follow. You gotta imagine the dad, Zebedee's like in the boat, like, do I just dock it myself? Or <laughs> they were willing to give up the family business. They were willing to look strange to their friends. They were willing to give up their plans and hopes and dreams about where their life was headed because they knew that knowing Jesus was better. And Jesus himself, he repeats this idea with some different wording kind of at the end of his life before he's crucified in John 17, three, where he says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. So I shared how we're trying to help students with this first invitation to follow Christ on campus at USF and church. Let me ask you now, as God's modern day disciples, how are you accepting this invitation to know and follow Jesus? Are you following him? Are you wrestling through relationship with him? Are you in a community that pushes you towards that end? For some of you, you might be uh, engaging with that invitation for the first time and know that Jesus wants your heart. He wants to walk alongside you as you follow him. He wants to give you an eternal hope that fills the brokenness of sin. A hope that I spoke of in my story when God shook me awake at 18 or John in that same year of his life. And it's worth investigating. He is trustworthy. 
For others of you, you might be like me and you need the constant, continual reminder that this passage often serves up to me that I'm invited first to relationship. And in all the busyness and the hustle and bustle of life and even a life filled with good things and Christian things, I can miss out on relationship with Jesus. And yet we have this gracious God, this Father who is always extending the invitation to come follow me. Let's jump uh, back into the passage and look at the second invitation. Look at verse 19 with me. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so invitation number two here is to, to make Christ known, to make him known. You know, you gotta love the creativity and the wit of Jesus who is always bringing the wisdom of God into a, a, like a picture or a place where his audience can kind of digest it and relate to it. And so whether he's walking by a wheat field or by a well, he's always doing this and it's certainly what he's doing here with these fishermen. So we don't need to get lost in like the fishing analogy. The principle that he wants to draw out for these guys is that following Jesus leads to a life of relational impact. Following Jesus always leads to a life of relational impact. And that progression is purposeful, right? It starts with following. Jesus says, follow me, learn from me, become like me, and you can change the world. You thought you were fishing for fish. No, you're my A-game plan for fishing for the souls of people. You're my A-game plan to be the vessel by which I will bring the good news of the hope of the gospel to the world on my authority, right? I will make you fishers of men. And so it's, it's not even just this game-changing invitation, but it's this game-changing promise. This promise that's not only kind of foretold here at the beginning of his ministry, but it's reaffirmed at the end of his ministry when we look at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, right? Where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore you. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's that same invitation. Go make disciples on my power and backed by my presence. I will make you fishers of men. So for the navigators at USF, this is the second reason that we exist we exist to know Christ and to make him known. And we work hard at the first one that the second one would just come pouring out of us. That we would be so filled with the love of God from our knowing him that it would spill out of our lives and onto the campus that so desperately needs it. Because as strategic as the college campus is for the gospel, it's also a, a, a place of much brokenness and searching. I am actually highly encouraged and optimistic about the current generation of college students. They are more diligent. They are more uh, inclusive. They are more self-conscious and aware than the generation before them, and that's worth celebrating. But they are also more distrustful, more burdened, and more anxiety-ridden than those before them. USF has 50,000 students like this on campus the majority of whom are looking for hope and purpose. And so you can just sit on the bench in the middle of campus and you can relate to Jesus' sentiments in Matthew 9 when he looked on the crowds that were walking by and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so we want to train believing Navigator students to trust God and go reach them. 
We want to help navigators on campus discover that despite their fears about their experience or lack thereof or their personality or their competency, that evangelism is not just for pastors and professionals. That like Jesus, we can ask questions and model kindness and also stand on truth. And that better yet, it's not their skill that makes them competent at all, but it's the spirit of the living God that he's put inside of them. That God has placed them in this unique circle of influence that they're in. And while they might be studying things like engineering or nursing or education in school, their primary vocation as given by God is to bring the hope of the gospel into these worlds. And that's not just in college, but for a lifetime in their firms, in their hospitals, in wherever they go to shine as lights. And while we do this in a variety of ways, a key distinctive way that we do and emphasize this idea is on -on one-on-one disciple making, as Pastor Greg mentioned. In the Navigators, we wholeheartedly believe that every person can make a difference one life at a time. And we love 2 Timothy 2.2 as it highlights this principle from Paul to Timothy where he says, the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will be able to share that with others also. It's one person who's a day ahead of another helping them learn the basics of the Christian faith. One life affecting one life, affecting one life in a chain of spiritual generations. And one clear uh, example I want to share with you on this uh, campus is is, uh, this picture of Anna with my wife on the bottom left here. Anna was a freshman who came around the NAVS in the fall of 2016 with a friend. She was interested in Jesus, but she knew she needed something uh, else uh, in her life because for a few months that we first met her, she had one foot in with us and one foot deep in the party scene. And by the middle of the fall semester, the dual nature of her life had really caught up with her. After running after all kinds of otherworldly pursuits, it had left her hurt and empty, and she finally gave her life to Jesus. But she was a baby in the faith in many ways. She was just learning what it was like to follow after Jesus. And so Sarah, my wife, came alongside her and started hanging out with Anna. She didn't preach at her. She didn't have a ton of in-depth curriculum. They started opening the Bible and reading it together. They started praying together. They walked on campus together. They memorized scripture together. Just as a woman named Corinne had done with Sarah when she was in college. And just as a woman named Melissa had done with Corinne when she was in college. And an unending chain of pictures to the left of this that I couldn't put on screen. And as she met with Anna, she began to become more mature and to even help it become more functional for our life as it got more full with our kids, Anna started coming over on Fridays to help watch our boys and make lunch and then they'd put them down so that they could read the Bible together during nap time. And Anna grew and grew and though she was still relatively young in her faith, she became convinced that God could use her life and the life of another that she didn't need to wait until she knew enough or she had arrived at some magical standard of following Jesus, but she knew that she was one day ahead of this girl in her freshman Bible study that she was helping to lead, named April. And so Anna and April started doing the only thing Anna knew how to do. They prayed together. They opened the Bible together. They went to the laundromat together in the grocery store and lived life alongside one another. And right now, April is a current sophomore in our ministry, Tomorrow night, literally, she will go to Bible study to help lead the freshman girls in this picture on the right. And she's praying about these girls and if if God might have her use her life, multiply her life to influence one. 
And Anna has been so fired up about this vision that she just uh, applied and got accepted to navigator staff next year. And maybe she'll do that. Or maybe she'll just be a teacher. But it doesn't matter because she's making disciples wherever she goes. And what sometimes brings me to tears with this vision is that it's not just this chain of students in college. But when I start thinking about the relational impact for the gospel that continues even beyond these years. The generations and the families and the places in the world where God is reaching and in his providence that he would use our little broken efforts, our little links in the chain to make his glory known among the earth. After eight years on staff with the Navigators and, and 12 kind of being a part of this vision, including being in college, we are continuing to grow in our faith as we look and see God has multiplied our influence in our life exponentially through people. Men and women that we mentored back in college now have spouses and kids and they live on multiple continents, including a few in the 1040 window. God has continued to affirm for us that like Jesus did with the disciples, we can reach many by investing in a few. And it's so much bigger than Tampa, Florida and the University of South Florida. One of the reasons I do love USF is because the nations are on our doorstep. It's the 38th most diverse college campus in the world. There's 141 countries represented and ethnic minorities are the majority on campus. It's the number one school in the U.S. for Latino success. I have no clue how they measure that, but I'm Latino and I feel successful there, so I feel like it's a good sign. (laughs) It's an amazing place to begin to pray for shadows of what Revelation 7-9 tells us will inevitably happen. When people of every tribe, tongue, people, and language will gather at the throne and worship Jesus. And we get to see a little sliver of it on campus. And so with great hope and vision and also with lots of bumps and struggles along the way, this is the vision we're trying to see lived out in the Navigator ministry on campus. This is one of the ways or a few of the ways that we're trying to help students know Christ and make him known. But this vision is too small to be lived out by simply college students. Though I think they are highly strategic, God's invitation to them and even to these young men in the passage that we're reading, it's it's a principle of his character given to all of his followers, including me and you. And so friends, let me ask you, where are the circles of influence in your life where God might want to use you as a fisher of men? Where are the men and women he's placed around you where you uniquely can be a light for the gospel? Are you convinced that God can and wants to use your life? You don't have to be an expert. Find someone who is a day behind you. Put your arm around them and walk towards Jesus together. And what an incredible vision, what an incredible thing to pray for. I want to wrap up by sharing my favorite Bible verse, and I love how it parallels to our passage uh, this morning and Jesus' initial invitations to his disciples In Matthew 4, Jesus invites them to follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If you fast forward to Acts 4, after Jesus has already ascended to be with the Father, the disciples are sharing the gospel with the people in Jerusalem and they're bringing people to faith and the religious leaders are really upset. And so they come to see just what is going on and we get this little insight, Acts 4.13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished 
and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Do you see the same two invitations fully realized here? The disciples are fishers of men. They're living lives of relational impact. They're bringing the good news of the gospel to people and the only noticeable marker about their life is that they had been with Jesus, that they had followed and known Jesus, that they'd spent time around him and wrestled through relationship and become like him. And their boldness came as a natural response to knowing him. This is often my prayer for our students in our ministry, that if you just poked navigators on campus at USF, that Jesus would just come out of them. Would you pray towards that end with me as you pray for our ministry? Would you consider giving towards that end as you pray about your involvement in Missions Month? Thank you so much for your support for many, many years as a church. Your, your prayers and support give us the freedom to live this vision out freely and unencumbered on campus. And I can't tell you what a blessing it is because we feel like we get the front row seat between the body of Christ and seeing him at work on campus. Every day I get so thrilled, I put on my little backpack and I go to campus and I try to pretend like I'm a student to get them to read the Bible with me and it's because you uh, create the freedom to allow us to do that. So thank you so much. Know that we are praying this same thing for you as well, that Mansfield Bible Church would be full of tons of ordinary people who are trusting in an extraordinary God to use their lives for his glory. Let me pray. Father, thanks for this time to gather with these friends and to celebrate our, our unique place in the body of Christ. It's such a joy to be here with them, to worship alongside them. Thank you for your word that searches and knows the deep places of our hearts. We ask, would you draw us closer today to relationship with you that we would know you? Would you reveal the areas where we're not fully submitted to you and give us grace to move towards you? And would you give us, not a, a, give us also a heart to make you known that's not out of cold obligation? but out of an overflow of the love and grace that you've shown us. Would you give us a bold and risky faith, um, one that is staked deeply in who you are. And thanks for being our good father. We pray that in your name. Amen.